How many of you guys out there are board game players? You're those people that like to play board games. All right. There's some people that absolutely hate them, and they actually would spell them board games, B-O-R-E-D, because they think they're boring. Um, but some people really like them, and maybe you're one of those families that it's like serious business. You know, when you pull out the game board, it's like, this is serious, man. We're not going to, like, take this lightly. I'm going to beat you, and that's all there is to it, you know, that kind of idea. Uh, we were never really that big of a board game family. I think because we were just always so busy. You know, we have a business that we run, and then we were always part of the church, which has always been a very busy part of our life. So we really never sat down and played games like, you know, Monopoly or the game of life or Risk or anything like that. We've never really played those games. Uh, when we did decide we were going to play, we played games like Uno and Yahtzee, you know, there's like, there's a quick game there. You can kind of like play it and be done and put the stuff away quickly. You didn't have to play for hours. So it was one of those things that we uh, would do from time to time. But we were never really big, big board game players. During COVID, however, board games kind of got this resurgence again. People were going back to their board games because there was nothing else to do, right? I mean, what could you do after a while? You could binge on Netflix for a long time maybe some other things, but after a while you're like, I need something different. So you'd kind of like try to like do this family thing, sit down, play a couple board games, do that kind of thing. I was doing puzzles, which was crazy, because I don't even like puzzles that much, but I actually got out on a puzzle that I bought one time, and I'm like, I'm going to do this. And it was the most horrible thing, because I did this 500-piece puzzle, got done, and I was literally missing the very last piece. It was horrible, just horrible. And I was like, I can't believe that was like, that's my life. I mean, that's, that's terrible. So, you know, there was this uptick, like I said, in, in purchasing games. They say that Monopoly, Jenga, Trouble, Connect Four, Sorry, Life, Operation, those games actually reported that they had a 20% increase in the third quarter of 2020. That was right in the thick of things, you know, right in the thick of COVID. So, like I said, there was nothing else you could do. So, you know, you, you just had to find something to do at that time so people would bring those things out. But board games are interesting because they have one major thing about them, right? It's all about winning. You want to win. You want to win the game. That's what it's about. Or you just don't want to be the worst loser is what you're looking for too. You know, maybe you don't win, but you know, you don't come in last place and you're like, well, that's, that's good. You know, Yahtzee, I love playing Yahtzee. I really don't, I'm not good at it. I mean, there's really nothing to be good at. It's kind of chance, but I'm never like lucky enough to like get the Yahtzees. You ever play with somebody to get like three Yahtzees? You're like, how? How do you do that, man? I don't know how that happens for you, but it didn't happen for me. But, you know, you try not to be the biggest loser. And I think that's kind of what we all want in real the real game of life, right? We want to be the winner. We don't want to be the loser. You know, we don't want to be the person who's like, finishes last. We want to be the person who's successful, that we've made it, that we win. So we're all trying to win. You know, no one starts out in this game of life, the real game of life, wanting to be a loser. I mean, no one just thinks like, man, I don't care. You know, if I fail, if I struggle, it doesn't matter. If I don't have anybody that loves me, it doesn't matter. You know, if I just lose everything, it's no big deal. It's like nobody has that mindset. Everybody starts out in the game of life wanting to win. We want to be successful. You know, I think most board games, the end goal is either to have more money you know, you want to do, you want to finish with either the more, most points or the most money. And it's kind of interesting because in real life, we're kind of like doing the same thing. 
We may not think about it on our daily basis, but a lot of times we don't really notice, but we kind of are all keeping this invisible tally. This We're kind of keeping track of like what we get and if we look like we're winning or if we're not. So we all have this invisible scoreboard or running total in our minds of whether or not we're winning or we're losing. And a lot of times we look at the things that we accumulate and we kind of let that determine whether or not we are winning or if we're losing along the way. There used to be a family that was at the church that we were at for years. And this was a family that the dad was a doctor made good money. However, they were never the type of people to go out and buy new cars. They were always the type of people that actually had a car that was really beat up. It never looked like it was brand new, and they never really worried about dressing really fancy, and they never really worried about having the best house or anything like that. And it's kind of interesting because I think on the outside, people would look at them and they would probably think, wow, they're not very successful because they weren't playing the game. They kind of were just living their life the way that they decided that they wanted to live their life. I mean, they probably had 10 times in the money in the bank than what other people look like they have, yet they weren't worried about looking as though they were winning. They were more concerned about really, truly winning in life. And I think that we get so tied up and caught up in that mindset of thinking that we have to look as though we're winning when a lot of times, you know, it's more so about what we actually are doing with our life and what our real wins really are. Most board games, like I say, it's all about points. It's all about money. It's all about accumulation. Well, the goal in the uh, Game of Life by Milton Bradley, the person who makes it to the very end with the most accumulated wealth, either by cash on hand, um, maybe investments that you've made, or real estate ventures, or choices you make, like either starting a career right away, or maybe going to college, having children, you know, doing things like, uh, you know, and you know, different things that you would be paid out on, like in- insurance schemes, whatever, stocks and investments, lawsuits. In games of chance, all those different things will determine how much money you make and have at the very end of the game. You know, there's this different versions throughout time that have happened with this game. Um, I don't know if you were as surprised, you'll be as surprised as I was, but I was totally surprised when I found out when this game was created. I don't think any of you would ever guess unless you looked it up. However, that this very first game that was created by Milton Bradley himself was first created in 1860. Isn't that crazy when you think of that? 1860, when the game first was actually created. And it was actually called the checkered game of life at the very beginning. It wasn't called just the game of life, but it was a checkered game of life because it looked like a checkerboard. So it was kind of different. And today, when you play the game, there's kind of interesting things that take place. On the game board, it actually says stuff like get in a car accident, or your car is stolen, or you can adopt a cat, is what it says. But you know what it said in the very beginning of this game? In 1860 version, it actually had spaces on it that said disgrace, ruin, intemperance, crime, poverty, idleness, prison, and even suicide. Doesn't sound very uplifting, does it? Doesn't sound like a game like you'd really like, yeah, I want to play that game, man. Suicide. It's exciting. But, you know, it wasn't a lighthearted game, but people loved the game. 
People loved it. People enjoyed it because it was really kind of like a snapshot of life. And a lot of times life that we live is not like those newer versions. It's kind of like the old version of a checkered game of life instead. Because we do have those situations that we all have to go through. We see people go through ruin, dishonor, poverty, and sadly, suicide. But like I said, people love this game. I mean, it's pretty crazy because in the very first year that it was created and sold, it sold 45,000 copies, which is pretty amazing when you think in 1860. I mean, Amazon didn't exist then. You couldn't go online and just purchase. You know, I'm sure it was a lot harder to buy a game like that. So this game of life was updated numerous times. I think there's been like nine, ten different versions that's been updated as a way. And it kind of started out more black and white and red. Now, of course, it's just a cornucopia of colors. You know, everything's all fun and games and that kind of idea. So, you know, I decided, I thought, well, I'll go to Target and I'll look and see what the game looks like now because I don't have the game. So I thought, I'll go look and see what it says and what it looks like on the, uh, on the box. And I thought it was kind of interesting because if you look at the newest version, the very front of the box says, your life, your way. And I thought, that's a perfect snapshot of what we are in our world today, isn't it? Your life, your way. Don't tell me how to play my life. I'm going to play my life my way, which is actually a true statement. I mean, truthfully, nobody can play your life for you. I mean, it is up to you. It's your choice what you want to do with your life. You, you know, people can kind of try to make you make choices or, or manipulate you or even challenge you to do certain things, but ultimately it's our choice on how we want to live our life. It is your life, your way. But the back of the box, I thought was kind of interesting because it actually says more accurately too, choose your own path, take a spin, and buckle up for twists, turns, and adventures all along the road. And I thought, that is a true statement in life for sure, <laughs> isn't it? We all take a spin, man. We're all having to go down those roads that kind of are twisty and turny, and there's lots of adventures to go through. The only thing difference is that board game is a chance, you know, kind of idea. This idea that you spin and you have a chance. But we have to understand in real life, it's choices. It's not chance. It's choices. Some things will happen to you that might be happenstance, but every happenstance, every chance thing causes you to make a choice also. And it's how you get through them that's going to determine if you end up as a loser or a winner in the game of life. That's what's going to determine. It's your choices. It's what you actually are putting your mind to. In the board game of life, being a winner, it means retiring to the millionaire estates or countryside estates, which determines exactly, you know, how much you're either going to lose or win. Because it's then where you count up everything that you have. You start counting up your money. You kind of count up to see what you've accumulated. What are your assets? What kind of money do you have in the bank? What do you have going for you? And you decide then, at the end, as you retired and as you're about done, did you win or did you lose? We all do the same thing. We all will get to the end someday, and we're going to have to make the determination for ourselves. Are we a winner or are we a loser? Did we accumulate things and did it matter? 
did all that actually make a difference? You know, the, the, the idea between the game of life, the actually board game, understand that that game can be played over and over again. You can pick up that game, you can play it, you can stop mid-game, put it aside, pick it up the next time. You could win it numerous times, you could lose every single time. But you get to play it over and over and over again. But in the real game of life, you get one shot. You get one time and that's it. So the choices you make ultimately will decide how you will end up at the end. You don't get to stop mid-game and say, hold on a minute, I'm just going to go like chill. I'm going to go eat some food. Take it. It's your choices. You can't stop mid-life because when you come to the end, you come to the end. The Bible tells us that we will live eternally. That, so the idea is that, you know, where this could be a finite game that you play as a board game, but this is an infinite life game that we're playing, that we're going to live for eternal uh, being, as eternal beings someday, somewhere. If you live by a board game philosophy, though, just trying to get things and money and accumulate when you live on this earth, you have to ask yourself then, what comes after? What were you actually trying to get in life? What was the point of all that you did? Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, our treasure truly does reside in our heart. It's the things that matter to us, the things that we value. It, it could be the people that are, you surround yourself with, the people that you love and the people you care about, the things that you value so much you'd put above other things. That's your treasure. It could be your relationship with God. It could be your family that you treasure. It could be your spouse or your loved ones around you. It could be your things. It could be your accumulating points that you're tallying on the board. That could be your treasure. Understand that it's always going to be your choices in life that will determine your ending. The ultimate choice is determining for yourself what it is that you consider your win to be. Because we're all trying to win, right? So what I want you to leave with today, and I want you to really think about think about this, really think about it, because I think we're so guilty of just living life and not stopping truly to think about what it is that we value. What is your win? What are you really looking for in life? When you look at your life and you would look back and say, what is my win? What do I hope to have someday? When I get to my deathbed, when I'm there and I'm at the end and I'm breathing my last breath, am I going to sit there and think about things that I didn't buy? Am I going to think about things that I didn't get to do? Am I going to think about people that I love, that maybe I wasted time? Because my value was there, my win was there, but the choices I made didn't end up that way. So it's important for you to really leave here today thinking about what is your win? What are you looking for at the end? Your win is your target. It's what you're aiming at. So when you say that you value your family, are you really aiming at that? Or are you aiming at something else? If you're saying your spouse, do you really, really consider that your win? Or is something else showing something different in your life? So it's what you're aiming for. 
I think a lot of times we just go about blindly in our lives. We, we just kind of live life every day, and we just kind of get up, and we breathe, and we go to work, and we do the things. We don't think about the things that we truly value and what it is that we're truly aiming at and what is our win. Like I said, these days are going to accumulate. Every day it's just another one marked off the calendar. We don't get to go back. We have to only go forward. So what is it that you're aiming for? If your win is to have a strong marriage, then the choices in your life have to get you to that point. You know, it has to produce that. You know, John and I just celebrated 39 years together. We were like, you know, 39 years married. We dated about four before that. So we've been together a long time. And I drive him crazy. (laughs) And he makes me crazy too. There's times we look at each other like, what is this? This is crazy. But I know he values me. And he knows that I value him. And our marriage is important. That we don't look at it as something that's not important. You know, I think I I said this in the first service, and I want to say it again. People that have kids, I'm going to tell you, you go through some tough times when you're busy with kids. And we were no different. (laughs) All the different aspects of having kids, from babies to preteen to teenage years to having adult children. All different stages are really stressful. But I'm going to tell you, just a little word of advice, hold on. Because those tough times when you're going to bed at night and you're exhausted and you feel like, I didn't even talk to my spouse, and I don't even know, they didn't help me with this, they didn't do that, and you're kind of angry, you kind of get annoyed, you're like, I just, I'll do this on my own. Understand, hold on, because there's a time that comes back all around and you realize how much it is that you still love them and how much you still enjoy being with them. The kids left, and I remember John and I going on the first vacation. I cried the very first time. We went on vacation without the kids. I cried everywhere we went. Do you remember we were here with the kids? Do you remember? Then I got smart and thought, wow, this is a lot cheaper. (laughs) What am I thinking? And this is fun. We get to go where we want to eat. We don't have to ask two other people where they want to go to eat. We go where we want to eat. And it was great. And I realized, I'm like, I love spending time with him. I never thought, you know, you're just so busy in life. You think, is it going to work afterwards? But, you know, you keep going every day, and you realize, yeah, it's worth it. Because I still love this man as much as I ever did. He probably more. Because, you know, you watch him help you out, do crazy things, and he took care of his mother when she was dying. I will always love you for that. Always. It's one of the things I will always value about him. Because I thought, wow, if this man could take care of his mother as she's dying and be there with her at every moment, this is a man that I can count on to be there for me. He will be there for me. Having a strong marriage, the choices you make throughout your day and how much you value each other, it will decide that. If your win is to have children that respect and care for you, understand that every day you have to respect and care for them. You have to show that. You have to model that so that they will do the same for you someday. You know, the thing is, you don't want to be like, I don't want mom, you know, put mom in the home. I don't want her. (laughs) You know, the thing is, you want to have somebody that actually cares about you as you get older. If you respect and care for your kids, they're going to want to be there for you at the end. If your win is to serve, have your kids serve and follow Jesus, then understand that you have to model that for them. 
And I am so tired of Christianity where it's been for years and years and years. People have saying it's like they just keep going back to that Proverbs. I think it's Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way they go and they will not depart from it. Understand taking your children to church is not training them up. That's not enough. You have to model this every day. You have to show them your wins in Christianity. You have to show them your losses. But you show them that you get up and you try the next day over and over again is what you do. And I'm going to tell you, they, my kids saw me at my worst. My kids saw me at my best. But they saw me love Jesus is what they saw. And that's what you need to do because training up means a verb. You train them. You don't just take them somewhere. You have to work on it daily. The win, if your win is for your friends, that you surround yourself with friends that love and care for you, understand you have to put that time in for them too. You have to be there for your friend when your friend needs you, when your friend calls you. It can't be selfishness. It's like, I only want you to listen to me. You know, when your friend calls you and they need you, you are there for them so that someday they will be there for you because you value the friendship. If your win is having a secure relationship with God, because he tells us what? That he's going to come back for us one day. If you want that security, if that's your win, that you know someday Jesus, when he comes back, he's coming back for you, then understand you have to work at that. You have to aim at that every day. Every day. You have to read his word. You have to pray to God. You have to seek him throughout your life. I always liken it to like the idea if you're walking up a, a trail in a mountain and you're following Jesus, that's what he says we are. You know, the idea that we say we're Christians, what does that mean? No, we're followers of God, which means that we keep him close in sight. He's walking ahead of us. We're following him on the path. So when he gets up and he starts losing, the, you, you lose him ahead of you. You ever lost somebody when you're following him? And you're like, which way, which way should I go? We always keep Jesus in sight. Always. You see, when he goes this way, you follow that way. When he goes this way, you follow that way. You read his word, you pay attention, you listen to what he's telling you. You pray, you seek his face. You follow him closely. And I will tell you, you will have that security. Without a doubt, he's coming back for me. He's coming back for me. Not that I'm perfect, he knows I'm not. I'm a mess. But he loves me, and he knows I love him. Understand what you're aiming at, what your win is in your, your life, what you're, what's in your mind eventually will get you to somewhere. But it may not be where you think you're going. It may not be the choices that you really thought you were making were making a big difference in your life, but they were. If your win is power, prestige, position, possessions, Understand and keep working as if that's all that matters. That you just got to build that bank account. You just got to get more. Got to get more. Got to get more things. Got to have more stuff. And if you do that over top of your value and the value that you place in your spouse and your kids, you'll end up with things, but not necessarily them. If your win is all about you, and you never let anybody get ahead of you, you're going to lie, cheat, steal, whatever you got to do to be able to be number one. Eventually, you'll probably be alone if that's what you're searching for. If your win is things, 
and just accumulating more and more and more. And maybe for you it's purses, maybe it's clothes, maybe it's guns, maybe it's houses, cars. I love cars. I'm guilty, but I don't buy them. I have a 2012. I wish I could have a better car because I love cars. And if I, had a, if I was a millionaire, I'd probably buy more cars. Not going to happen. But understand, things won't make a difference in the end. They won't. My mother-in-law loved antiques, loved them. And, you know, she was always searching out some new antique. And it was sad because when she was getting towards the end, you walked in her house, you couldn't get through. There were so many antique tables and chairs and dressers and things. You couldn't even get through it. You know, I was thinking, that, that, that surrounding yourself with things, what was the point? And it's sad because when she passed, what we did was we picked out a couple things that we like, and then we asked somebody to come in, and we paid them to clear it out, and we auctioned it off. So somebody else can start to accumulate all those things too. You know, there's that old saying that says, you can't take things with you. You can't. You know, there's always that old funny joke in the church. It's like, you never see a U-Haul tied to the hearse. It doesn't work. And it's true. You have to look at your life and how much you're given of time. Don't waste it. Don't waste it. You know, the thing is, I think a lot of times we live life thinking that we're always going to have more time than we might not really have. Thinking, you know what, today I'm going to do this. Tomorrow I'll do that with my kids. Or, you know, today I'm going to do this. I have to get this job done. And tomorrow I'll sit down and read my kids a story. Or tomorrow we'll go on a date. We're just so busy. We don't have time. I think there's a lot of people that get to the end and they think, wow, I wasted a lot of valuable time that I should have been spending with people I love instead. I think a lot of times... We think we're going to have more time than we do. The parable of the rich fool perfectly explains this. I love this parable because I think so many people are guilty of living this way. Luke 12, 13 through 21 says, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, talking to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store all my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Possessions. Eat, drink, and be merry. I understand, don't ever tell anybody that because every time in the Bible they talk about it, the person dies after that. Go eat, drink, and be merry, and then your life is demanded from you. Not good. But this idea of thinking that we can just take it easy, that we can coast, that we can get enough, and we don't have to worry about people and, and things. See, God never wanted us to live like that. It's funny because he actually says, give me just enough. So I don't have too much that I get, you know, lazy. 
and I don't have so little that I want to steal. Just enough. I think it's kind of an interesting thing that there's this idea that people think that they're going to have more and more and more possessions are going to make a difference. I kind of stepped on people's toes at the beginning of the, the first service, and I'm going to tell you this same thing that I believe. It's not popular. No one likes to hear about money. No one. No one wants to be talked to because, you know what, it's your life and it's your life and your way, but I'm going to tell you the way that God would want you to live. And this is not popular because no one wants to hear it. Understand giving to God. There's something really important about that, and I think people don't understand. You know how we go to the bank, you know, we work really hard, we get this paycheck, we go to the bank, we deposit the bank at the bank, and we have this money in our account. And then we need some money, we go to the bank and we withdraw some money, right? Understand that in your relationship with God, it is no different. He actually says, you give to him, and it goes in this deposit, depository, and it's there for you. So when you need something, you can go confidently to God, and you can say, God, I need this, and then you can, he will help you out. See, the thing is, when we talk about money, it's, it's interesting because people don't like to hear about it, and then they think the church just wants their money. Understand God doesn't need your money. God wants you to understand that you need your money the right way. See, the thing is, he wants you to understand how money works. So it's just like a bank situation. See, the thing is, it's not the amount. It's not like I'm telling you you have to give this amount of money because, I mean, we have the widow's might, right, where she just gave a little bit. He just wants you to see that giving to his kingdom matters. It really does. To give to his kingdom, and I'm not saying, because, you know, the church is not hurting. We're, we're not, we're blessed. We are blessed. But the reason why I think it's important to hear this in this message is because it really helps you out when you understand that if you give to God, you have confidence to get back. We, we, we talk about the fact that for years, I'm not kidding, we bought secondhand washer dryers for years. We bought them from people in a garage sale, and then they would last for like 20 years. I mean, I'm not kidding. It was just, John would fix that thing over and over again. There were times we had no money at all. But because of the fact that we put God first and we tried to give to the kingdom, God always helped us out of jams. He was always there to help us out. There's something really, really amazingly good about the idea that you know that you have given to God and have been faithful so that when you ask him, I need help in this, that you can go confidently to him. You don't have to think, well, I, maybe I shouldn't ask. Maybe then it's like, I can ask God because God knows I've given and I've tried to be faithful about that. You know, the thing is, people look at people on the outside, like I say, they, they look at people and they decide whether or not someone's winning or they're losing. You know, this rich fool, man, he thought he was winning. He thought he was winning. He's like, man, look at me, I'm winning. I've got all this money, it's put aside. I've got, I got bigger barns, I can put surplus grain in there. I don't have to worry about anything. But it's interesting because even though he thought he was winning, he was losing the whole time. He just didn't know it. He had no idea he was losing. I don't think that's the way God wants us to be, to look at our lives and think that we're really accomplishing something, accumulating things, and thinking we're winning, and then we get to the end, and he says, loser, you lost. You lost. You're not winning at all. 
You know, I was kind of thinking when I was writing this message, thinking about this original game, this checkered board game of life, and how it was like kind of dark, you know, this idea. But I kind of thought, what if we played the game of life like this old board game was, instead of how the new ones are? You know, instead of it being about adopting a cat or whatever, you know, how about if it was actually really about being concerned about being disgraced? You know, worried about being ruined. You know, being someone that has, you know, no perseverance, no get up and go. But what if we were worried about the others, you know, like on that checkered board game of life, there was other spaces on there that said honor and truth. What if we were living like that instead, of just this lightheartedness, flippant idea of life instead? You know, I think in the game of life, our first thing we have to ask ourselves is, really, seriously, what is your win? Every day when you get up, what are you aiming at? Is it to have a strong family? Is it to have kids that love and respect you? Is it to have kids that follow God? Or is it to have things? Your choices are making that decision for you. What about your friendships? Are you one of those people that when your friend calls you, it's like, well, I'm just too busy. I ain't got time for this. But then you need a friend later, and they're not there for you because you didn't pour into it. Your finances, your spouse, all those people that say that you'd say that they matter, are you aiming at those things? You know, throughout the Gospels, Jesus teaches through parables, and he teaches the meaning and the end of things, you know, how we should look at things, and he says that the end goal of life is not found in the accumulation of power, positions, prestige, possessions, but instead what it is, it's handling those things that you've been given. You know, maybe you've been blessed. Maybe you do have a lot. But just like someone playing a game, are you a sore winner? Or maybe you have a little and you haven't been given a lot. Are you a sore loser? You know, are you a person that just kind of like, you know, is angry all the time because you didn't get what you want? Or you just think that you're better than people because you have gotten a lot? We have to think about those decisions that we've made and how it affects us. You know, I think we can't take for granted the gifts that we've been given and the people in our lives and the people that have been a blessing to us. We can't just keep taking for granted that they're always going to be there or we're going to have the time to spend with them. You know, I think we have to play the game with higher goals in mind. And I think if we do that, if we get up and we'd say, God, help us to keep the right things as priority. Help me to focus on what really matters. And if you get up and you have that mindset in a day and you actually could lay your head in the bed at the end of the night and think, yeah, I work towards that goal today. It wasn't a waste of a day. It wasn't a throwaway day. It wasn't just about getting things. It was about helping and loving those people around me. I think ultimately the best thing we could do is try to be the best followers of Jesus we could be. Obviously, if we could be winners in the eyes of God, what better thing could you possibly be than that? I love Colossians 3, 1 through 4. It says, If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Isn't that the best win of all? When you think that you could actually hear from God, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I'm seeking. Do I always accomplish? No. God knows every failure I've ever had. He knows my wins. He knows my losses. He knows when I get off track, and he knows where I'm seriously following. But the thing is that we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we aim again the next time. We aim again, we target the win, and we keep going forward. That's what I want you guys to decide today. Next week, we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more tactics and strategies about how we're going to do it. But today, look at your life, how you've lived it so far. And today, what is your win? What do you really want to have happen at the end? And go for that. Let me pray for you. Well, God, we are thankful that you are so patient and kind and loving and gentle with us, even though sometimes we deserve a good spanking. Lord God, you just kind of like start to just pull us away from the things that don't matter, and you try to work on our hearts. I just pray that our hearts are receptive to that today, that we would actually be drawn closer to you and the things that matter to us in this world. Help us to let those other things in life, let them grow dim. Let us not be so enamored with them. Help us to throw those things aside and just be worried about the fact that you love us and you desire us to be close to you. We thank you for all things you're going to do in our lives this week. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.